0: Episode 253, The End of the Hasmonean Dynasty and the Rise of Herod. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Julius Caesar, Shakespeare. When Julius Caesar dies, the Roman Republic experiences another great upheaval. Determined to hunt down the assassins of Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Marcus Lepidus, and Octavian formed the second triumvirate. The western part of the empire, including Rome, is in their hands, but the assassins of Caesar, they go east, including Brut- Brutus and Cassius and other republicans, and they form themselves and gather legions and resources. Cassius shows in Syria, demanding tribute and troops to fight against the triumvirate. Cassius demanded 700 talents out of Judea. Herod Antiper, and Malicious, a nobleman in Jerusalem, was tasked with the, obtaining the funds. Herod pays for part of the funds after taking great wealth from around Jerusalem and some of his own wealth. Malicious blunders around, and Cassius threatens him in, with his life. Antipas saves Malicious from death by expending a hundred talents of his own, placating Cassius's anger. This leaves Judah from further issues during the Civil War. That is, until one of Caesar's old generals, Labanus, does the unthinkable. He goes to the Parthians for support, and it works, drawing enemy armies all the way into Judah eventually. The Parthians will actually support the Republicans, or the liberators as they call themselves, by offering them troops in battle. Cassius takes these funds from Herod and other client states and assembles an army to confront Antony and the armies of Octavian. The final battle in what is called the Liberator's War occurs at Philippi. At Philippi, a two day battle ensues with up to 200,000 Romans and allies fighting it out. The battle occurs in 42 BC and it's a close battle, fought largely hand to hand. On the first day, Brutus best Octavian, but Mark Antony best Cassius, where he commits suicide thinking Brutus was dead. On the second day, the triumvirate crushes the remaining forces of Brutus. And here's some of the quotes. Plutarch gives Brutus his final words, O wretched virtue, thou were but a name, and yet I worship thee as real indeed, but now it seems thou were but fortune's slave. Augustus's own version of the Battle of Philippi was, I sent into exile the murderers of my father, punishing their crimes with lawful tribunals, and afterwards, and when they made war upon the Republic, I twice defeated them in battle. Meanwhile, conspiracies are afoot in Jerusalem, and Herod gets stuck in the crossfire. Although Herod Antipur saved Malichus' life previously, Malichus continued to despise Antipur and seek for his murder. Josephus presents two opposing reasons one which would help secure Herakonus against the rising threat of Herod, or the other being the desire to quickly dispose of Herakonus and take power for himself. He devised multiple assassination attempts, which Antipur evaded, but successfully bribed one of Herakonus' cupbearers to poison and kill Herod Antipur. With Herod dead, conspiracies still abound, yet they are limited in their scope due to Rome. Herakoness keeps his kingdom, and as Mark Antony takes special interest in Judah, he appoints the sons of Herod. One of his sons' name is Herod, and his brother Faziel, they're now tetrarchs of Rome. And that's kind of like a a regional ruler um, with responsibilities of tax collecting. Herod would fulfill his role with zeal, winning the admiration of Mark Antony, yet he would receive condemnation for his over-collection of taxes by the Sanhedrin. And what happens next is nothing short of a foreign invasion. And as the Romans are preoccupied after the Civil War, their forces are quite limited in the East. And this is when the Parthians actually invade Judah. Antigonus, the son of the previous king the II, Antigonus, the son of the previous king the II, rouses the Parthians to invade Syria and Palestine. Antigonus wants the return of the Hasmonean rule. And in 40 AD, the Parthians invaded Roman Syria and they take all of Judah. The Parthian army crosses the Euphrates and Labanus was able to entice Mark Antony's Roman garrisons around Syria to rally to his cause. The Parthians split their army and un- under Pocorus conquered lands from the Mediterranean coast through the land of Israel. And when Faziel and Heracinus II set out an embassy to the Parthians, the Parthians instead captured them. Antigonus, who was present, cut off Heracinus' ears to make him unsuitable for the high priesthood, while Faziel was dead in a matter of days. Herod fled to Masada, then to Petra, and later Rome. Antigonus declared the return in the Hasmonean line and in Rome Herod must have been overwhelmed by the splendor of the capital but but at the same time he's just kind of completely lost i mean he lost his father only a few years ago his brother was just killed the area that he you know where he's from is now taken over by the Parthians and his enemies this is where the story of Herod takes a radical turn supported by Anthony he was proclaimed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate and returned later to Judea to claim the throne. And no longer the hidden power behind the throne like his father, he's now Rome's man in Judah. It's absolutely fascinating how he's, he lost his father and his brother and basically his country. He flees to Rome and now he's named king. But the only problem is he has to retake it. Here's a raw historian write-up of the event. Anthony then resolved to get Herod made king of the Jews, and told the Senate that it was for their advantage in the Parthian War that Herod should be king. So they all gave their votes for it. And when the Senate was separated, Anthony and Caesar went out with Herod between them, while the consul and the rest of the magistrates went before them in order to offer sacrifices and to lay the decree in the capital. Anthony also made a feast for Herod on the first day of his reign. I mean, Herod found great favor in Anthony and Octavian. Plenty of challenges await Herod as he, as he now goes with the fleet all the way to Judah, and then he marches to Jerusalem, and he has to besiege his own capital. After 40 days, Herod's forces breach the wall. They eventually take Jerusalem by storm. And despite Herod's pleas for restraint, the troops now acted without mercy, pillaging and killing all in their path, prompting Herod to complain to Mark Antony. Herod also attempted to prevent Roman soldiers from desecrating the temple's inner sanctuary, eventually bribing General Sosius and his troops in order that they might not leave him king of the desert. Antigonus surrendered to Sosius, and was sent to Antony for a triumphal procession in Rome. However, Herod, fearing that Antigonus would also win backing in Rome, bribed Antony to execute Antigonus. Antony, who recognized that Antigonus would remain a permanent threat to Herod, had the Hasmonean beheaded in Antioch, the first time the Romans had executed a subjugated king. Herod also had 45 leading men of Antigonus's party executed. And here's an interesting story, too, that tells the character of Herod. Toward the end of the campaign against Antigonus, Antigonus was rallying all the people of Jerusalem against Herod because, you know, Herod wasn't even a Jew. He was an Idumean. But Herod did something about it, something <laughs> a little shocking. Herod married the granddaughter of Heracinus, Mariam, who was also a niece of Antigonus. Herod did this in an attempt to secure his claim to the throne and gain some Jewish favor. However, Herod already had a wife, Doris, and a young son, but he chose therefore to banish Doris and her child. This is the nature of the Herods, which we'll learn later. Narcissist and ruthless, a political spirit consumed with power and controlled by the fear of the loss of his power. Herod would rule the Herodian kingdom as it came to be known until his death in 4 BC, an ever faithful client king of Rome. Any threat to his kingdom would be silenced. It was his way. He would even recruit a powerful bodyguard with as many as 400 troops. He would recruit them as far away as Gaul and Germania. They'd be his police force to execute his will and to keep order. In the next episode, we cover the collapse of the second triumvirate, the Roman Republic, and the making of Herod the Great. We end this episode of Message to Kings with, don't you just love how he's called King of the Jews? The word king was basically a dirty word in the city of Rome, but it was allowed in other states that bowed a knee to Rome. Caesar was always careful to not be called king. Future leaders in Rome would make note to not use the word king, but instead emperor, which is much better in their eyes, or rebranding still the same thing. But Herod, he was a king, the king of the Jews. The wise men would come to anoint Jesus the king of the Jews at the beginning of his life. And it's interesting how Jesus received that title twice. Once, when he was born and the second time when he died. At the end of Jesus' life, Pilate would give him this moniker as well. Both of these times that he was called King of the Jews, it was by Gentiles. Both sets of people in their eyes appropriately gave him this title, as a baby and as a beaten and dying man. It's interesting how Jesus received these two titles in a helpless state. All the more reason do we have those opposite worlds in effect. Herod would kill and murder and ruthlessly exterminate anyone who threatened him. But Jesus came to die, to redeem the lost and restore mankind to God. The people seemed to want a king again, just like in the time of Saul. But instead they were to receive a marvelous Savior. There, as prophesied, Jesus, the Messiah, and king of the Jews died amongst thieves, rejected, scorned, humiliated, and bearing the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. But through his sacrifice, Jesus would forge a path to redemption and the forgiveness of sin once and for all. The greatest of kings must become the least of all. The title of king was but a mockery to the true power of a God above all creation and all life and everything in this world. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at message to kings at gmail.com.